Are you ready for this summer? <sighs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you don't sound excited. Come on. The Muni. I mean, yay, tickets. all that. The, the Muni single tickets went on sale. All sorts of stuff is happening. Memorial Day weekend. We have uh, just uh, beautiful weather and you know first for someone who goes to all these things i say that i'm not you know that i'm exhausted and i'm not looking forward to it but really i go to all, all these things and i go to everything and i actually am ready for it so yeah, yeah. i well, don't know we- why this is what my wife said you know you complain and moan about all this stuff and then you go and you have a great time and i said yeah, I know, but it's not me if I don't complain. Okay. We will talk to our guest, Rick Irwin, the creative director at City Museum, coming up next. Then around minute 24, The Little Mermaid is out in theaters. Around minute 40, You Hurt My Feelings. Around minute 46, Kandahar. Around minute 53, Being Mary Tyler Moore. Around minute 56, Love to Love You, Donna Summer. And then around minute 59, The Starling Girl. Well, I understand that you... We're at Grant's farm the other day and had a lovely lunch in the, uh, beer, the garden. beer garden with one of our friends. And I'm excited about Shakespeare in the Park, but I'm also really excited because the city of St. Louis has a lot of fun things. And one of our biggest treasures is the city museum. And we have Rick Irwin here today to tell us about what's happening, even for adults, not just for kids, because, you know, the museum isn't for kids necessarily. No, it's it's for everyone. Right, Rick? That's exactly right. To be honest, I had my first date with my wife there. She brought me to the city museum before I even worked there. So my last first date was at the city museum. And that's because we have three bars. And when we open the roof, we have four bars. And when we have 21 up events, we have 10 bars. Ah. So, you know, it's it, when we do these adult only events, which is really the biggest fun thing we do after hours this summer, it, they, they're just so popular with the adults. Well, unless you get married there, because people have done that too. A lot of, yeah, quite a few, even my sister-in-law. Yeah. Well, that's really fun. That because I don't think people realize you can have really fun extra hours events or after hours events at the city museum. Oh. They just think you're going to be, you know, going down slides. And we even do it. We even do overnight, man. We have a family overnight. We haven't done this since COVID, but we're going to bring them back. And then we have the Girl Scout overnights. So there'll be like 300 kids or like up to 300 people of different families. And you're just playing all night with these guys watching movies and. I got to tell you, when the museum after hours, it is a completely different place. It sounds very fun. And uh, it sounds uh, something that parents can get behind as well, because you don't have to work so hard. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it can turn into a whole family night because we'll do a circus show. We show movies. We do breakfast in the morning. You go out on Monstro. You play on the roof. It, it's just a, a much more intimate kind of overnight thing. So, Rick, you are the creative director of City Museum. What does that entail? Because the place is already creative enough. Well, for 15 years, I ran the City Museum. So I was the director. About two years ago, I stepped down. um, And the creative director title, the only person before me was Bob Castley. So it's it's really an honorary title, I feel. Because like you said, there's so many creative people there. I'm just the guy that's – I feel like I'm the old man telling stories now. That's why they had me on things. But I, I'm just the guy that makes sure that it's accessible and people can do it. That's the way I've always felt about art. 
I wanted to make sure that Bob could do it and, and present it. And it's the same thing with the crew we have now. So really, people come up, they give me the craziest ideas, they'll call, they'll be like, hey, I've got, you know, 75, you know, bowling pins for you. And I was like, oh, if you'd have like 102, that'd be so much cooler. You know, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm acquiring materials. There are certain things that we're buying around the city right now, some iconic items, uh, architecture coming down. That's my role. And then I kind of just make it so there's a, a smorgasbord of items around so people can kind of walk through and when they're building it and pick items. It sounds so magical. And it sounds so fun, but I know it's hard work. And especially when you have uh, different, well, you have to pay attention to the seasons and you have to pay attention to things ahead of time because you just don't all of a sudden plan summer now. No, no, constantly, especially with the way we do things. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you have planned for the summer that will entice not just little wee ones, but also big ones? Yeah, well, this weekend, heading into, you know, uh, Memorial Day weekend, we have our first City Nights event. It's a kickoff Sunday night um, on the roof, 21 and up. This is going to be cool because they're, they're making tie-dyes, which, which is close to my heart. I, I started my career making tie-dyes uh, at a little place called Cool Stuff in Columbia, Missouri. So um, we're going to be making tie-dyes. we got a DJ. Um, we'll have drink specials. So there'll be games up there. So that's the adult side. But also throughout this weekend, and I'm just speaking just this weekend, we have a DJ on the roof playing twice a day, you know, for the families and stuff. I just built a chess board, checkerboard up there on the roof. But those city nights events are going to continue almost every three weeks for uh, the rest of the summer. So we have stuff coming up from uh, Wizard of Oz. We have a drag show for Pride Week. We have um, Alice in Wonderland which the crew are making different things like keyhole entrances and giant flowers for. So just imagine the roof transformed into these different things all the way up to like a space uh, odyssey. I, I think we have a 90s prom. I mean, the marketing team really comes up with these really cool, fun ideas. A 90s prom. That sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> and it's 21 and up, which is really, you know, in, in all my time being the GM, that's what everybody wanted. They just wanted... How can I go to the museum without the kids? How can I, I'm not saying drop the responsibility, but let's, let me just have fun and be by myself. So they really turn out to be a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, man, when you're sitting on that roof about 530, six o'clock sunset, there's nothing better. Oh, I bet to see the city because uh, uh, your museum is a frequent shot in all the newscasts in town's drones. Because we've always, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've been working to change the skyline and we still are following that idea. Hopefully over the next few years, you guys start to see some new stuff pop up on that roof. Yeah. Cause last night on KMOV, they had it, they go, here's the city museum. And they were talking about how, uh, inviting it looked for the, for the summer. Well, the cool kids, cause it's not just for the cool kids, but it's nice to know that you can go somewhere and you won't have mom, mom mom <laughs> for a couple hours i'm just saying yeah it's, it's the mom is more mom mom where did you go mom i lost my mom it, it's not that it's not asking questions it's more about i've lost her and sometimes that's the parents don't like they do that on purpose yes or the or as we were talking about before we went on the air uh the kids will decide to uh disappear from their parents sight for hours at a time Bob always found that really fun. He thought it was, he, he enjoyed the idea of being able to kind of a voyeur as a kid and kind of watch how people interact. And so you would find him when he, uh, 
sitting throughout the museum. And it, and it was, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of creepy. There's this man sitting there eating a sandwich and he's just kind of staring at everybody. But he was just kind of watching the way people interacted. And any one of those interactions could just come up with an idea. I, I know, I remember one time on the first floor, Bob was sitting down there and he's like, right, come, come down here. And we come down and he's like, I think I can fit a slide right back there. And so what we would always do is we'd make a hole in the wall. We'd throw a sledgehammer through it, uh, break glass. So you had to deal with the idea. Either we were going to build that project or we had to repair it. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. to get back to your point, kids love to hide more than the adults. Now, hold on a second. Did you actually build a slide there? We did. Yeah, we built a treehouse, three stories tall. Um, we brought in this really cool piece of wood that had been floating down the river, and it landed in front of the arch. It was 33 feet long. And so Bob pulls up with a boom truck, and he's like, Hey, I'd like to get down there and get that. And of course, it's a national park, so you can't get on the property. And he's like, I'm Bob Cassidy. I kind of really want it. And they're like, guys like, oh, you know what? You're just going to steal it in the middle of the night. So he lets us on property. We take this tree. And, you know, you hone it out. And the one thing we didn't think about during this whole project was we were getting this driftwood and other wood from out to build this treehouse. Poison ivy oil. It was Ooh. still on the trees. But certain crew members got it. So we had to learn to pressure wash. That's that's. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's something I'd say about the museum. No, but we're that's, that's a new skill for next time. Yeah, exactly. We're always testing to see what we can do better next. Wow. Yeah, and, well, he and, was a brilliant visionary, and uh, our town is much richer for it. Carl, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that there are some slides in the place where, where you have to really get a cardio workout to make sure that you <laughs> get all the way to the top because um, they're, let's just say they're not all ADA friendly. Oh, no. Unfortunately, art is not always ADA friendly. Um, and I will be honest with anybody that ever asked. Yeah, because the, 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 the caves are caves. I mean, they're just like that rough terrain, uneven, tight at times. Uh, and I know what slides you're talking about. Those 10-story spiral slides, <laughs> if you got to walk all the way back up, I'm telling you, so every day we have to do inspections on slides. And there are two Let's types of inspections. Let's do it again. Right. Yeah. By the time you get to be our age and you're like, you have to do that slide inspection, I'm exhausted. Uh, the, the second time I got to go back up 10 stories to climb back up to ride the second one, I, I need a second person. So I'm with you. Understand that we feel the pain that every adult feels there. Like my knees hurt when I go through the caves. I'm sore the next day. I, uh, City Museum is a place that lets you know you're getting old quick. Which is why yeah. you have three, sometimes four bars. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and then you, you build that in. You know when you go to an amusement park how – how you're going to be exhausted so you just you just figure that now i know so many of my friends that are now grandparents take their grandchildren there quite a bit and also uh entertain out-of-town guests so what is your uh what's your advice to people in the city who just think it's for uh, people to come and, and inter, you know, show people from out of town. What's the benefit for, for frequent city life? Oh, well, just the, the frequency. You, you don't know what's going to be there next. I mean, we constantly build. There's always something somewhere coming up new. Um, and, and it can be little things of just light. So, and, and like, as we just talked a little while ago, the difference between the day and the nighttime. So we're starting to, Back when Bob was alive, we'd, we'd lower the light at nighttime, have flashlight-only events. We're, we're starting to come back to those things. Yeah, um, the season pass plan that we have, I mean, it's really reasonable to get back in the museum four or five times. Um, and that also gets you – certain levels get you to the roof, and you also get in those events. So as a 
as a city dweller, as I would say, or anyone in the county. I mean, it just allows you this access over and over again. And you can't beat that view. You can also find out about everything that's going on by going citymuseum.org because that'll tell you everything. What, when are you going to do this 90s prom? Because now I'm interested in it. I think it's late. It's the, one of the last ones. So it's probably near August under the events. I think that's the one that's in there. Um, but you're exactly right. Citymuseum.org is where you want to go. because They don't tell me everything because I'm not there all the time. I'm always right. in a forklift or, as you would say, hanging underneath the floor or hiding yeah. out, installing something new. But yeah, on our website. You can find all that stuff right there, like the City Nights kickoff, like all the stuff about the extended Pride Week, and then July Fest, the Electric Sky, and then in September, you're doing International Beer Month and Craft Beer Month. Yeah, that was something we started last year, and uh, we really just picked every few weeks and just went with a different section of the world. Um, It was outside on our patio off and on. I think we're going to move it to the third floor this year, um, which we can just kind of have that transition every week with different beers it'll be a little bit easier but then that also is that space will transition to our holidays so we'll have another uh halloween fest last year we had uh girl to gorilla you know or girl to beast uh headless woman seances and stuff so i think that'll take place in there and as we move into the the christmas time that's where our christmas lights and our holiday festivities will take place so that third floor is going to be really active over the next few months that's uh, it sounds really fun and i'm so happy to hear that you are rebounding from the pandemic because that just ha- was a a tough period for everybody and it's just so the city museum can be the happiest place in the loo i know a lot of people don't necessarily like the loo but uh for adults too it's not just for kids so i'm happy to promote that and i hope to go to something because that just sounds really fun being on top of the top of the museum, having a summer cocktail. Well, you guys make it down. You come down. I'll give you guys the behind the scenes tour. The the Rick, what did they call it? The other day? They call it the Rick 94 tour or something like that, where I tell you all the old stuff and the real stories. So, uh, <laughs> and also, you know, we have this wonderful lady named Maria Catley. She would be Bob's um, daughter-in-law. She's our head archivist and tours and stuff. I've and met her. She, she, yeah, she she can tell you some of the fun stories as well. Well, I, w- I was at the uh, weekend or the summer kickoff last year where we had a private tour and it was fantastic. And uh, that was a fun night. Yeah, she uh, she's put that program together and just wonderful. What's the biggest surprise people have when they come? Uh, the out-of-towners and then also the local people. What, what, do, you, what do you hear from them? How do you get away with it? That's the biggest question. You want to know? You that, have, that, a, that's you have a half of a bus hanging off how of did the you, building. How did you get a permit for that? Well, the truth is you didn't get a permit for all of it. You got the permit later because that's how Bob worked until I came it's, around. It's uh, uh, ask permission, ask for forgiveness, not permission. We lived by that. And we also lived by a quote that Bob had is you could tell the success of a uh, project by its resistance from the bureaucracy. So anytime the city gave us a hard time about it, we knew we were on the right track. So... No, you know, that's the, that's a joke, but it, it is the truth. It's when people come in and, and they walk into that cave system for the first time and you look up and you see, you know, all that gunite and those shapes. People just, I didn't know you could do this. And so, and, and then it's the reused, recycled materials over and over again. We're still 
recycled materials. And as Bob said, we're not the organization that designs city museum. It's, it's hundreds of thousands of industrial engineers. We're just putting stuff together in cool little patterns, man, and seeing if it works. It doesn't always work. Fortunate 80%, 95% of the time, it does work. And anybody that has ever worked in a restaurant, as soon as you walk in, you see all the quarter pans and you go, that's a lot of closed restaurants right there. Dude, wait till you, well, you know how we bought those. So we bought those from Wash U. They were using them to keep rats in for um, experiments. So of course, they couldn't use those pans again. No. But if you like that wall, in Bob tradition, uh, Leaf and Bethany just built on our fourth floor. We got a new slide labyrinth we're going to open up in the next few months. Uh, we built a Twinkie pan wall. So it's got the same curve, but it's out of the pans they made Twinkies out of. Wow. That's my job. I went and bought all those Twinkie pans. If you were asking, that's that's my role. Continental Bakery <laughs> was it? Continental Bakery, the one up there on the on the river, um, headed up to it was their actual hostess plant, uh, North okay. St. Louis. Okay. Yeah. Smelled wonderful when you walked in there. <laughs> oh, I bet. Wow, how you how you know this stuff and find this stuff? That's just genius it really it's is It's people now it's people that let you know and of course if it's architecture in the city everybody hits us up right away and and sometimes you want that architecture and a lot of times you just want it to stay up and so we do a lot more of that work now as well trying to make sure there isn't demolition on certain things well you oh. have you have ideas galore i bet it's really a, a brainstorm session's pretty fun it's fun with the guys, the guys and gals, because like I am not the person that comes up with ideas. I see certain things. I'm a guy that has a lot of opinions about stuff, um, but they come to me. And, like I said, I, I just want to be the guy that allows them and makes it accessible for them. So, yeah, you could be sitting. I'll tell you a story. So when we were doing the spider web on the third floor, we knew that we wanted to have certain rules, light directs, no dead ends. But we wanted to do this netting because we wanted to see the windows. And so I'm sitting there with Mary Levi amazing designer, amazing builder on a crew. And, and we're trying to figure out what to do. We knew we wanted to do nets. And I, I think it was Mary. She just drew on this column, a spider with a net coming out of its butt. And I was like, that's it. And then we just sign off on it. And then it just builds from there. It's little individual uh, conversations that can lead to major projects. So you don't say, oh, we can't do that. You say, how can we do it? Yeah, exactly. I always at least want to give it a try. And I prefer to fail and learn from it than just not doing it at all. That's a wonderful attitude for life. <laughs> well, I mean, admit your faults, take responsibility, and it's all good. <laughs> that is that is a wonderful. What was the City Museum before it became the City Museum? What factory was it? Because I always get that wrong, I think. International Shoe Company. And so... It's, it's very famous in the law community. So every first year law student. So there's a point where we always see Wash U and SLU law students show up. It's because we are the distribution center. The, the last hotel, which is in front of us, was the headquarters. And so we sold them that building a few years ago. But uh, the International Shoe Company was selling shoes in different states and there was no inter tax. So the United States versus the International Shoe Company is a very famous lawsuit to talk about uh, state taxes and so everybody comes down here and that's one of the reasons it's kind of very popular the building plus you know what we had tennessee williams worked there when he wrote the glass menagerie the alton giant that was the spokesperson and let's just say we're one of the ha most haunted buildings downtown <laughs> well you guys are open weekdays 10 to 6 and then for now weekends 10 to 10 
up yep. until July and then July summer, you, your July fest kicks off. And That's I right. do love, I do love the fact that you guys have, you can't see the arch stuff. You can't see the fair stuff, but that doesn't matter. The 360 that you have of everything else is beautiful that you have at the top and you're doing a J July 4th event again this year. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the July 4th event, the fireworks that are North St. Louis and, you know, around us and not the arch are so much better than what you're seeing. And it's continuous. It's continuous. Yeah. You can see all the way up to Alton. You can see them doing their stuff and you can, you can just see it's the stuff down at the arch is beautiful and wonderful. And exactly. we've all seen but, that. It's just the fact that you can see, a 360 of everything else. You're you're surprised how you can see Webster, you can see yeah. all the stuff that's south and east and north and west. And it's it is a an amazing discovery if you don't know about it. It shows you how big St. Louis is. You know, we think about just the city and stuff. And like you said, I'm actually in Webster. So that's and and, and you can see ours exactly you said, but it shows that depth of St. Louis. And as you start to see them get further and further along, you're like, where is that? And, and it is, it's really cool. Why are all these municipalities shooting <laughs> off fireworks at the same time? <laughs> or why are all these families on this street doing the fireworks at the same time? It's what we find more <laughs> of the time. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sure they're all uh, permitted. Yes. They all have permits <laughs> or are finished by the time the police get there. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Ooh. thank you for being on with us today, Rick. Uh, go to citymuseum.org and all the questions that we have not answered will be answered for you. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for being on with us well, today. Thank you. It was a delight. And I know you're oh. so busy. So it was fun. And uh, we're going to launch into another curiosity, the Little Mermaid movie. So yeah, I don't nice. know if your kids like Disney movies. We My wife wants to see this. We were going to do it for Mother's Day, but she was out of town. So it's supposed to be really good. Yeah, we have things to say, but overall, it's charming and delightful, and oh, the, the lead girl is really good, but um, I think Carl liked it more than I did, but I That's gave fine. it a solid B. <laughs> it was fine. That's for me, because the last Disney remakes, I have not been kind to. Pinocchio. Understood. Pinocchio, yeah. Wendy and Peter, or Peter and Wendy, whatever that was. Yeah, abominations but no this girl is really a star and anybody awesome. you have daughters you yeah. know it's a it's a fitting tribute but uh the sebastian is to be digs and scuttle scuttle is uh aquafina oh. and wow. lin-manuel miranda wrote a rap song for them called the scuttle butt awesome it's just two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, like, 15. it's like 45 more minutes than the animated one. Wow. Oh, no way. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought I started struggling. I know. I don't know why they had to pad it. That's one of my complaints that they padded it. And they, they had to throw some relevance in, you know, like the the islanders and the royals and all that i gotcha shakers, you know like they do in these re these regency adaptations now huh little mermaid but have you ever read the real little mermaid i, I have not darker yeah he Is says it really? it's really dark i just oh, yeah. found i just found she out she dies it she dies in the end yeah i found out oh, it no doesn't way. have i know i just found out it doesn't have a happy ending and i went no. 
It sounds no. Christian Anderson. She, uh, yeah, she's real super depressed being the human. Yeah. Huh. I, I know. Have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> like, because all Disney, you know, because if you think about it, Cinderella's really dark. Oh, yeah. A bunch of sure. them are really dark, but Disney version. So everybody thinks, you know, because yeah. they didn't cut off parts of your feet in the Disney Cinderella. No, no, those those stepsisters cut off toes so they could fit in there. Does, yep. <laughs> well, it's uh-huh. not like, but they're still PG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thank no you. problem, guys. You hey, have a great have day. A fu- have a fun day. Thanks. Thank you so much. You guys were fun. Sure. Thanks. Bye. You were great. So, Lynn, let's continue to talk about this. Uh, yes. Well, it's not just dark, but it's not shot very well. It's it. The last third is very hard to see. We know it takes place underwater in the Caribbean, but come on, Rob Marshall, give us some light. Let us see some things that are happening. It's very murky. And I don't understand why it went so murky. I was like, for all the money they spent on but the it's CGI. Realistic. Right. And I told you I, last week, I told you last week, I was going to give you a, a uh, fact about my history with the Little Mermaid, and I said I was saving it for this week. When the Little Mermaid came out in 1989, the beginning of the Disney Renaissance, I didn't see it. Uh, I did not see the Little Mermaid until I had a child who loves mermaids. So my uh, experience with the Little Mermaid is relatively new it's not like everyone else who saw it you know 40 all 35 years ago so that is my experience with the little mermaid i experienced it through the eyes of a child because i had a little mermaid at home and so i have i don't have the nostalgia for it because i was an adult when i saw i mean i guess i would have been an adult in 1980 well no i would have been a teen still and i would have been 18 years old when the original movie came out and something uh, something changes in your life between 18 and being almost, you know, my kid, I would have been in my late mid to late thirties. So I didn't see it when it originally came out. And did you see it as a mom? I did because Tim was five and well, Charlie Disney. Yeah. Charlie was only one. So he didn't go, but when I have, but um, I uh, loved it because being the musical theater person I am, I loved the score by Howard Ashman and Ellen Menken. And I just fell in love with that music. And so uh, that was uh, one of my favorite Disney's. And then they kind of, they came up with Beauty and the Beast. And I wasn't aware of the and then Disney. Aladdin and yeah. Tarzan. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's a series. Yeah, you forgot Lion King, one of the biggest movies of all time. Oh yeah, well I'm talking about Howard no, but Ashman those, but those, Alan. but those five, those five movies are the Disney Renaissance, right? And uh, the movie Waking Sleeping Beauty, it's a documentary. If you have Disney, a love Plus, of Disney. Right. You have to see this movie because it puts everything in perspective about the Disney animation studios back in the 80s 
and how things were not so uh, running, well, not so well. Well, and, you had uh, around that time you had uh, what great mouse detective and Oliver and company. And I, but I still know people that love those movies. I love Oliver and company. That was the first one that I think my uh, kids really responded to as a new Disney, because mm -hmm. of course, as a mom, like Dumbo was their first, right. You know, Dumbo's uh, great. Cause it's only like 64 minutes long. Oh yeah. It was their first VHS, you know, the first VHS I showed Tim Dumbo and, and, and things like that. So all the old Disney was part of their life, but then this new Renaissance, and then there's the documentary Howard about the late great Howard Ashman Howard and his tragic early demise, but also his influence because he was the one who suggested Ursula should be more like divine and yes, because uh, he, with the artists. Yeah. Because he had that lifestyle and knew, I mean, people knew who divine was, but Pat Carroll and that voice. And that is something that this movie, uh, Melissa McCarthy, first of all, sings fantastically, but uh, she's just doing a Pat Carroll imitation. She's yeah. not, she's not Melissa McCarthy. She is playing Melissa McCarthy as Pat Carroll as Ursula. But because she's doing there, a good job. She's well, doing a good job. Yes. And we have to talk about Hallie. She's sensational. She is a true star. And I was not aware that she was an R&B star and had been nominated Chloe. for five Grammys with her sister, Chloe, and that she had been mentored and signed by Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So she's got it going on. But in this, she's radiant. She is beautiful. Her voice is a dream. She has that sweet nature, but also the spunkiness of or, of Ariel. And uh, she's just a breath of fresh air. And now she's going to be in the Color Purple musical. I saw the, uh, the teaser trailer and I went... Oh, she is going to be the next big thing. She's going to be young Nettie. Yeah. So she's going to be like in the news. But I think this, um, you know, a lot of people don't uh, think the prince is all that. But I thought he was fine because those Disney princes. Did you like that song? Like that. It was you, okay. The, the princes never have an I want song. I mean, I guess Aladdin does. Aladdin has an I want song, but then again, Aladdin's the lead. So he has an I want song because that that is what you have there. Part of your world is an I want song. And so the prince has an I want song in this, too, because does does it really expound on his character or they do flesh out the prince's character more than the animated film? I mean, right, I guess because, technically yeah. this is an animated film, too, because it's underwater. Well, he has a curiosity, much like Ariel. And he's a world traveler and he's restless. And the queen, there's more to the queen about being exasperated. Well, the queen, by the queen's child. a new character. Yes, it is new. And it's like a Regency type Bridgerton type of thing, but not with the sex because it's PG. <laughs> yeah. But, even though, even though there's, there's a, they say that there's not a lot of death. In fact, there is death in this movie. And 
you know, Jim Batts and I were talking about the La Poisson song that is not in this movie. And my wife brought up a great point. You can't have, uh, in animation, it's easier to kill a whole bunch of fish than in a real life version of this because it, that that's comical and cartoony when he's actually beheading fish in this you'd have to like really behead fish so that is probably the reason that they don't have la, the la poisson song and also it takes place in the caribbean so you wouldn't have a french chef down there unless you would i don't know i because well they're royals they can they can do they have whatever they want that- but that that castle's pretty intriguing with all the cliffs and all the you know sea and and all that. Now, uh, uh, Alan Menken, who is mm-hmm. still very much alive and multi award winning composer, he enlisted the help of Lin Manuel Miranda, who wrote the lyrics, and they wrote four new songs. And you mentioned the Princess song. And then there is one uh, with Scuttle the Seagull mm-hmm. and Sebastian the Crab, who is David Diggs, Tony Winner for Hamilton, and mm-hmm. Aquafina. And they're wonderful together. I just, uh, they yeah. were the, the comic relief that we sorely needed. And I think and, and they, they a- make they make Scuttle a diving bird so it so Scuttle can go underwater. Rather than just, I mean, Buddy Hackett's fantastic in the original one, but in very few scenes, uh, Scuttle's in it a lot more. Yes. Yes. And she's she's a hoot and holler and uh, they're delightful on screen. And uh, Jacob Tremblay, as you know, I have a very maternal towards him. And Room is now playing on, I guess it's Max on HBO, but through Max. Everyone but, oh, hates Flounder. Of I every, know. Everybody I hates know. Flounder because of the dead eyes and the they made Flounder a little too realistic. But they yeah. made they made Sebastian realistic and that worked. Well, it, they shouldn't blame Jacob Tremblay for it because he's cute and adorable and he has the right voice for Flounder and it's before his voice changed. So oh. we're going to see a new Jacob Tremblay from now on because he's 16. But uh. This is his Luca slash other animated things that he's done voice. And well, you, he, you've he, not mentioned Javier yet. Oh, yes. No, I thought he was very regal. I thought he brought some depth to King Triton because he is stern. But then he realizes uh, that he I mean, he realizes he doesn't understand Ariel, but then tries to. Don't you think? Right. And I Flotsam and Jetsam are in the movie, and so is Max, but they don't really, you know, they've expanded all these other characters at the expense of Flotsam and Jetsam and Max. Max is a great character in the movie. I but, know. I, you know. Yeah, I they're just that. They're just there to be there. And the Easter egg that everyone is talking about, Jody Benson, the original voice of Ariel, has a fantastic cameo in the film. Because yeah, we should tell people that you have to watch um, for the marketplace, the island yeah. marketplace with the villagers. Yes. Because and else you'll miss her. Yeah. Well, the movie has gone from 89 minutes to two hours and 15 minutes. 
I know, which is criminal. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. And let's, okay. Let's talk about this live actions. This has got more CGI than live action. It's like Jungle Book. So it's really a hybrid. Yeah. Like in Jungle Book, Mowgli was the only real live action thing. Everything else was CGI. Anything under the water, anything that is not at the castle. And you, you admit, you have to admit there are a lot of things at the castle. But, you know, I'm surprised you being a theater lover have not mentioned who wrote all these new songs. With... No, I did. I, I oh. said Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, yeah, he but... enlisted. He, he enlisted. And, and of course, he's going to have a rap song. Right. The Scuttlebutt. I bet I I hope maybe it lands uh, Oscar nom, but I'm not sure if it's going to win. Why? Because you you want him to finally get his ego. His ego, yeah. Because everybody else is getting ego. So he and Alan be. Alan Menken Alan Menken is has also returned as well. Right. So well, they wrote he, they wrote the songs together. Uh, Alan Menken won two Oscars for Little Mermaid, the score, and for Under the Sea as the best song. And in the movie, Under the Sea is my favorite part. Yes. Because it's sensational. It's like a Busby Berkeley choreographed number from the 30s, but with aquatic life. Yeah. Yeah. The Under the well, Sea. It's, it's, also, it's also, it's choreographed by a ballet company. Well, it's it's very clever. I, I don't understand the underwater kingdom in terms of, yeah, the darkness. The but hierarchy? Then, well, okay, so we got Ariel's sisters, and uh, they're like totally- They lose their song, too, at the very beginning, which is, that that's yeah. a fun song that isn't- Yeah, in the movie. yeah. Well, so they all, often... the things, all the things that they took out, the movie's still uh, a lot longer. I know. Well, apparently these girls that aren't really a factor in this, they each have a different mother and they are supposed to represent, I read where they're supposed to represent one of the seven seas. Right. Because they they're each different Because they're all, they're all coming in for this full moon harvest or whatever the heck it is. Coral this, moon. This, Mac, this MacGuffin. Yeah. The coral moon. And uh, yeah, they're all dish, uh, different nationalities. Yeah, because Triton gets around. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he gets around to all the But, but you know what? You know what else? Triton doesn't even like. Do they even call him King Triton in this movie? Well, that's what a couple of people have mentioned, but they have him in the credits as that. But mostly he's King of the Sea. Yeah, the but Sea King, King, which, the which is a nod to actually the original Hans Christian Andersen story. They called him the Sea King. Oh, yeah. And wasn't he the Mer King or something? I, I don't know. Honey. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, <laughs> no, if you want to frighten children, read the original. But if you want to stay on happy terms with the happy ending, watch the Disney. Disney. I started watching the animated one again. Well, yeah, just that's just see that's, if I was being nostalgic or what and that's a beautiful film and you know what a lot of people are saying if you go see this all you're going to want to do is just go back home and watch the original yeah, yeah. Which, which is fine lynn what else did you see this week i, I heard you saw a movie that you loved yes 
You Hurt My Feelings with the incomparable Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Because this is so true to life. This is not a flashy, sitcom-y movie. This is a raggedy, real-life moments just ring so true about the white lies we tell the people we love. And maybe not even love, but the white lies we go through life telling because we don't want confrontation. We don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want. So it's a, a longtime married couple. Julie, uh, Louis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays Beth, a novelist who teaches a writing course, college level. And uh, it's just, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus being hilarious. And then her husband is a psychiatrist and his uh they show they have a running gag with his two bickering married couple patients played by David Cross and his real life wife Amber Tamblin. Mhm. It's hilarious. And, and they've been they've been married for a long time and everyone has always said that well how did these two get together? But they've they've been married for what 10 years? 2012. Now? Yeah. 2012. Wow. So Tobias Menzies, who played Prince Philip in the crown with the Olivia Coleman King Elizabeth Queen Elizabeth. Um yeah, he, he won an is, Emmy for that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh Julia's husband, and uh she overhears him because this is in the credit, I mean in the trailer, she overhears him telling someone that <laughs> he doesn't like her book she's she has written a brand new book and she's very famous for her first book or something her like memoir that. her memoir okay i had to she's tell. very famous by that and then her next book is it her next book or is her latest book or does it's it matter her, it's her it's both okay so she's written a second book and he read it before it went out and therefore, he knows. Is it about to be released, or yeah. is it already out? Well, okay. it's it's kind of both during the course of the the movie, Release. and so she's just horrified. And her this is a great cast. This is uh, Michaela Watkins plays her sister. Ah, yes. Uh, oh God, the actor. Uh, that I like so much. He plays Stewie on uh, Succession and he's a very famous Broadway actor. He's currently on Broadway uh, with Jessica Chastain in the Dollhouse. Oh, Aaron, Aaron Moye. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up how to pronounce his name. Arian Moye. He plays uh, an actor. So they all have these careers. Like uh, her sister is an interior designer. Julia's a novelist, her husband's a psychiatrist. They all have these jobs or careers that they're second guessing about. Maybe they don't want to do that anymore. And that's funny. Nicole Hall of Center wrote this and she is a fabulous um, screenwriter. And I can see this being nominated for original screenplay. And I can see it being nominated for a bunch of spirit awards and, uh, she did. Well, she has a nomination for best screenplay. That's right. Yeah, best she, adapted oh, you know, screenplay. No, you know what she got nominated for? The Melissa McCarthy movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can You Ever Forgive Me was with Jeff Witte. So she was nominated for that. But she's done Enough Said, which is one of my favorite rom-coms with James Gandolfini in 2013. And then she did Please Give Friends With Money. She also collaborated with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon on The Last Duel. Ah. Yeah. So her early works were lovely and amazing and walking and talking. She came out at that same time that like Noah Bombeck came out with Kicking and Screaming. And so they were all those titles, you know, Walking and Talking, Kicking and Screaming mm-hmm. um, and everything. But it's going to be a keeper near year. And you laugh from start to finish and you recognize this is so relatable. This isn't this isn't a high concept uh, rom-com. This is so true to life. And the supporting cast is pretty good, too. That Zach Cherry, you know who that guy is. He's one of the doctor's patients. The he's, session, on, he's on Severance on Apple+. Plus. Yeah, yeah. So it's very recognizable people. Owen Teague play, plays uh, their son, Elliot, who's working in a weed shop. Okay. So I'm just laughing remembering these scenes because it's just, it's very low-key. It's very just, this is life. It's not, it's in New York, but it's not New Yorky, if that makes huh. sense. And like, just like the Little Mermaid, it's like 93 minutes long. So, yeah. Oh, it's a zip. It's a zip. So I highly recommend that. And then I saw Kandahar. Did you? Yes. I sat through it. Okay. So we got Gerard Butler. Mr. Action Star, who is like one of my least favorite stars because he plays everything the same in all his, you know, those those generic sounding movies, Geostorm and Greenland and Rome has fallen or Angel has, London has fallen, Angel has fallen. Yes. So the guy that directed him in a bunch of these, Rick Roman Waugh, directed Kandahar. And it sounds very much like Covenant. And I was like, to the PR rep, didn't we just see this in the Covenant? So it is fiction and it is, uh, Gerard plays a CIA operative that's really an MI6 agent. And they do this, uh, they blow up this nuclear power plant in Iran and the uh, Pentagon source is appalled at what his country is doing. And he exposes them to a journalist and the journalist outs their secret black ops mission. And it's very complicated. It's more complicated than it needs to be because in the later years of Afghanistan, we just didn't have the Taliban. We had all these other forces. So there's all these people trying to get them, but they're all from different forces. And he has a, he has a translator that he accidentally gets involved in all this mayhem. They have 30 hours and have to go through 400 miles to get to the airport for safety. And they have all these, you know, forces coming at them. So it's one of those movies for two hours. Didn't they? Ju- didn't that Guy Ritchie movie just have the same plot? Well, th- well that's what I just said. The the uh, Covenant, and I was like, 
Well, first of all, this one's not as good. This is if you <laughs> if you like Gerard Butler, like Taylor Blake said, her dad's like the world's biggest Gerard Butler fan. So she's going to go to the movies to see it with. OK, you like Gerard Butler. Fine. You will like this if you like that. He He's the same one note through the whole entire two hours. It, you know, he, I don't know. But the supporting cast is actually good. And the uh, guy that is his uh, translator is a, is a very famous uh, Iranian actor and his name, and you've seen him before. He was uh, Jafar in the live action Aladdin. Oh, okay. Uh, and Navid. He, yes. Navid. Yes. And he. Well, he was, was he was in, on Twenty Four too. And Homeland. Right. He's, 20, but but of course, if he was in Twenty Four as an Iranian actor, he probably didn't play anyone that was a good person because Twenty Four was very uh, black and white. Yeah, well, he's helping out the Americans, kind of like the, in the Covenant when the guy is helping out Americans because his his child was killed. Same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, doesn't this have? Oh, so anyway, we got a lot of desert. Obviously, we have uh, one of the up and coming uh, actors, Ali Fazal. He's he's uh, been in quite a few things, and he's quite the Bollywood sensation. He plays a guy working for Pakistan, but he's like a, it's like a uh, secret force. We have all these people, you don't know. It takes 45 minutes for them to set up what's really mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. If you want to give 45 minutes to like, what the hell's going on here? And then Gerard's got an ex-wife, soon to be ex-wife and a daughter graduating from college and Wants to get home for that. And then we got a journalist who exposed their names and she's being, uh, she was held hostage. Wait a minute. There are women in this movie? Yeah. There's... Does, it, does it pass the Betchel test? Oh, no. No. Did, so there are no two women that talk to each other, not about a man? Or do two women even talk to each other? No. no, no, of course not. No, so we got the hostage journalist, and we got the daughter showing up. Well, that gives the ending away. Oh so, well, thanks a lot. Well, you didn't. You, know, you didn't want people not, to see this movie anyway. You're not sitting through two hours where there's going to be a, a, not a happy ending. <laughs> because well, why? If it was I'll, showing the realities of war, there would be some sadness. Well, there is. There's some people killed that you, you know, because, you know, in all these action movies and especially, well, you haven't seen Fast 10, but all these no. people get out of their death, uh, you know, in other thing in real life, they would be dead. But in movies, they're alive. So we have a lot of that here where they escape. You know, being hunted and they're the victor. But then we have some surprising things where they're not so lucky. And then uh, we have some shocking deaths. So I was like, maybe maybe it won't turn out so well. And then I thought, well, why sit through this whole movie? It's not going to If I'm not going to so enjoy well. it. Well, you didn't enjoy it anyway. 
so it was a knockoff. It was one of these where if you really like this kind of thing, go for it. But you can spend two hours way better. And uh and and uh on a really strange note, I watched the Mary Tyler Moore documentary called Being Mary Tyler Moore, which mm-hmm. is gonna be on Max on Friday. Now Max is now HBO plus all the Discovery stuff and the Warner Brothers stuff. But HBO Max is no longer in existence. Except it's just it is Max. It, it's but it's, still, the, it's yeah, still around. But it, it just has a new name. Right, right. So yeah. So um being Mary Tyler Moore is on and it gives her her due for changing TV for women. For being such a positive influence for women but she had a darker life than people realize and she was known as the ice princess and uh on her third are marriage you, she went to the betty ford center are, are you telling me that ordinary people was more real life than it was. She was the only person that didn't get nominated for that, or the only person that didn't win for ordinary. No, Judd people. Hirsch didn't win. Just Tim- just Timothy Hutton won, okay. but she was nominated. But Sissy Spacek won for Coal Miner's Daughter. Okay. Well, yeah. everyone thought that everyone thought that Mary Tyler Moore was going to win, and then she didn't. No, but sh- but yeah, yeah. Behind it's. It's maybe subtitled Behind the Smile. I would call it Behind the Smile because life wasn't so hunky-dory well, for her. She was she was married to what? Well, wasn't she married to, to uh, a television executive that got her everything that she Grant Tinker. Needed? Grant, she was, yeah, she was married to Grant Tinker for a while. And uh, that's, do they mention David Lauderman? No, they don't mention because that show. David Letterman was on the Mary show with the summer variety show with Michael Keaton. That's how that's how they became great friends, because when David Letterman first started his talk show, remember how he used to have Michael Keaton on all the time? Yeah. And Michael Keaton was just starting out with Mr. Mom and Night Shift and and all that. And then um, doesn't mention that show at all. And one of our local dancers Renee Bauman, who was the original Christine in A Course Line, she was on that show. Oh. And she really liked working with Mary because Mary loved choreography and she was a dancer to start out with. She loved hanging with the dancers. So Renee Bauman has kind things to say about her. So, yeah. Anyway, she had quite a life, but this last husband of hers was really remarkable and 18 years her junior. But he was quite the influence in her life. But she had diabetes and it just, uh, she was 70 something when she, well, she died in 2017. She was 80. So just turned 80. She, like a month after she turned 80, because, you know, she's been gone for a while. Well, 2017. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, uh, talking heads are very good. And some, uh, one of Grant Tinker's sons, talks and one of his uh daughter-in-law's talk so they remain close friends and her best friend forever is in it and uh you know they have they have a lot of cool talking heads but 
people loved working on the shows with her, but I'm not sure that uh, I think a lot of people found her aloof. Well, her didn't her son pass away from accidental suicide? Yeah, he uh, he loved guns and uh, they think it's questionable whether it was a suicide. And she do they mention do they mention that? Yeah, she maintains that it was accidental. Oh, Grant Tinker's son talks about when they were all together that Mary had a more strained relationship with Richie because huh. she had him young when she was working and she wasn't always around. So there was a lot of guilt about her not being a, uh, you know, happy homemaker. Okay. Because she wanted to be working. And uh, it starts out with this blistering asshole interview <laughs> by David Suskind uh, when women, you know, were meant to be home in the, you know, getting the I slippers. I think I've seen that season. interview before. And she just sits there and kind of mm -hmm. defends women, but oh my God. So it's a fascinating documentary. It's way better than the Donna Summer documentary. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I have not. I really want to. I, I'm going to be very anxious to hear what you have to say. I love Donna Summer. Yeah. Well, I paid for tent tickets at the MRF to see her in 1979. Did yeah. she do all the hits? She did all the hits, and her future husband was in the group that um, was first, the opening act, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Dreams. Dreams. I love I their duet. Is that Heaven Knows? I love Donna Summer. Always I do too. I mean, I always did. I always did. I had her two albums set in college. They spend a lot on the of radio. Time. Yeah. They spend a lot of time on love to love you, baby. Let me tell you her daughters, Brooklyn and Mia and Amanda are in it. Or Maya or I, I can't remember the first. Anyway, um, they show her first husband, the German the blonde German dude. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting. It's, it's more of a vanity project by her family. What's it? What is it called? It's called love to love you, Donna summer. Okay. And it's on max. It's on max. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the starling girl starts the art house. And that's the one I told you about last week. Really? I don't know if we it's the one with Eliza Scanlon as a teenager who is coming of age in a very fundamental Christian community in rural Kentucky and Bill Pullman's son, Lewis, who to who heretofore had been playing these bumbling, insecure guys like Bob in Top Gun Maverick and in Bad times at the El Royale, whatever that movie is in the hotel with John Hamm mm -hmm. and, and Jeff Bridges. And okay. um, he plays the cool, hip youth pastor. And they okay. develop a, um, a forbidden friendship. Let's put it like that. Okay. And it's all about power and 
expectations in a funda uh, fundamentalist Christian community and a girl's a burgeoning sexuality and spiritualism and expectations and families. And Jimmy Simpson plays her dad. Love Jimmy Simpson. You will really like this. I think this is going to be one of the movies in the conversation, especially in the indie world, because Eliza Scanlon was the youngest daughter in Little Women, and she was in that great Australian movie, Baby Teeth. Mm. And uh, she's, she's, you know, she's not on people's radar, but she should be because she's very good in this. Okay. It's a bleaker street release, so usually their movies are good. Yeah, so that's so I had five movies, Carl. Wow. I know. And people want to know why like I'm not caught up on any TV stuff. Well, I watched the uh penultimate episode of Ted Lasso, and next week is the finale. I will be looking forward to it. Aha. And what else is going on this weekend? Um, it's Memorial Day weekend. Take time out and remember those who have lost their lives for serving the country. Yes, the Soldiers Memorial has a very uh, nice exhibit downtown for that. And the Cardinals don't come back till Monday. Right. KC. But what a lovely uh, turnaround for right now. Yeah, that's good. Lynn, when can we, where can we find you, dear? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times online and in print. And I am on KTRS radio every Friday at 1108 with Jennifer Blom and Wendy Weiss. I am in poplifestl.com website and I'm here with you, Carl. Yay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl, the intern for all my exploits and what's going on with me. You can hear me on the radio Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox morning show on 97.1 FM talk. And then on the weekends on second amendment radio and the great outdoors on 97.1 and K M O X. Next week, we will be talking to the Shakespeare St. Louis Shakespeare festival folks, because Shakespeare in the Park's going to start with 12th night. One of my favorites because it's so light and fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cinema St. Louis just announced their golden anniversary lineup. And I'm not till December. Yeah, I saw that. I get to do the way we were. Misty Perhaps. watercolor memories. Nah. So. This will be fun. So, Carl, I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend with your family. And uh, thank you, everyone, for their service. And, Carl, your grandfather-in-law service, yeah. your stepfather's service. You have a lot of people. All the family members that uh, that have served. Yes. And there, are, there are many. And mine as well. So uh, we salute you and have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.